God is so good all the time, and He is always doing amazing things. But we're just not always aware of it. But that doesn't mean He's not at work. The Bible says God doesn't sleep or slumber. Aren't you glad? There's no time that He wakes up in a start. <gasps> what's going on? He knows exactly what's going on. He's got things in His control. You know, even though we look at the world that we're living in, reeling out of control, the Bible tells us that's going to happen. But we don't have to be afraid because we know, because we have turned our lives over to Christ and given Him control just like He took care of Israel in the wilderness where it was inhospitable. It, it would have killed them had God not provided for them. Uh, God's going to provide for you because He loves you. He also wants to show the people around you, what he can do in a life that is looking to him and trusting in him and obeying him, that he can work in, in and through those lives. Amen? It's amazing what's going on. You're not going to hear it on the news because they're not going to report it, but the, the move of the Spirit of God in our country is beginning to flow like never before. I am hearing more and more... Uh, ministers talk about what we've been talking about in Joel and in the book of Acts, how God is going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And, and so this is, this is part of that. And we've been, we've been studying about this, and it's important that we don't just come and hear a message and, you know, make a determination. Well, that was okay. He was kind of off today. Or that was better than normal. Um, because I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter about me. I know it could make it easier or more difficult how I present things, but listen, what we're presenting is the Word of God. The Word of God is of ultimate importance. We need to be hearing the Word of God, no matter what vessel it comes through, whether it's somebody that we have an affinity towards or a resistance towards. When, when I was uh, new in my faith, Growing up uh, in the Word the way I needed to, there was a minister that I did not, oh gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this, I, I did not like the tone of his voice, I did not like his accent, I did not like a lot of things, and it was very difficult for me to listen, and yet I could not shake the fact that the Lord wanted me to listen to this minister preach. And I finally came to the understanding, it's not about an accent. It's not about a personality, it's about his word. If we'll be willing to receive his word, our lives will really be transformed. And I have, I have learned a great deal. I still don't care for the accent, but people don't like mine. So, you know, we all have our preferences, but what we need to do is value God, his word, his spirit above all things. Don't let anything distract us or detour us from what God has for us. Amen? Well, before we get to the Word, I want to tell you about a uh, uh, daddy that was coming home to two little girls. Now, I, I don't know what it's like to have little girls. We had two little boys. Never am I aware that the little boys waited for me to come home. But these two little girls, an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old, were waiting for daddy to get home. And uh, when they saw his truck pull into the driveway, the 8-year-old sprinted from the door, ran right to her father, grabbed him with both hands around his legs, and then wrapped his, her legs around his legs. 
And the little five-year-old was coming behind, as normally you'd expect. And the eight-year-old proclaimed so proudly and so loudly, I've got all of daddy. Now, some of you are already ahead of me. You know the little five-year-old is heartbroken. And as she kind of slowly walked up to her, her dad, she was about in tears when her dad did something that every dad would do. He reached down and he picked her up and he gave her a huge hug, which not only stopped her tears, it started her giggling. And then she, in a very loud, proud voice said, you may have all of daddy, but daddy has all of me. <laughs> and you know, both of those little girls represent what we need to be like with our, our daddy, our heavenly father. We need to be sprinting towards him and grabbing him with both hands and everything in us. But we also need to be giving him all of us. Because without both of those, our relationship, our life, is not going to be what God intended it to be. When we reach out for him and only him, Nothing else is more important than him. And then we give everything to him. There is a connection and an intimacy that we have with God that is what God has always longed for and what we have always needed. You know, the Bible says, and I shared this with you weeks ago, in 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, he is searching, God is searching across all the earth looking for someone whose heart is fully committed to him so he can show himself strong on their behalf. Just imagine. Imagine today what our lives would be like if God showed himself strong on your behalf all the time, in everything, everywhere. I mean, it would be overflowing life. It would be amazing. It would be awesome. And yet that's what God wants. And that's why God chose Ezekiel. We, we've been looking at and understanding this prophetic vision that Ezekiel had given by God. God allowed him to be a part. And the reason why God chose Ezekiel was because his heart, his life, everything was fully committed to God. He feared the Lord. He reverenced the Lord. He was in awe of the Lord. He was obedient to the Lord when the rest of the nation of Israel was just heartbroken. They were hopeless. They didn't have any expectations, and they weren't really looking to God. They were just looking at their condition and their sorrow. And yet Ezekiel was there desiring God, looking to God, wanting God to have his way. And God in, in allowed him to have a part in, in this prophetic vision of raising these bones by prophesying. God told him what to say, and he was obedient. Didn't say, you know, this is impossible. He just did what God told him to do. God's looking. He's searching across all the earth for people whose hearts are fully committed to him, fully yielded, fully willing to let him have his way. Not giving him an excuse or a reason why, just whatever God says. Now, you may say, well, I don't know if there's anybody 
I'm telling you right now, when you see what you see going on, these are people that are just hungry for God in our country, in our world. And God is meeting them right where they are. God wants to meet with you. You don't have to go somewhere. God can meet you in your kitchen, in your car, in your backyard, in your living room. Wherever you are, God wants to meet with you. And God wants to reveal himself to you and show himself strong on your behalf. But we're the limiting factor. We limit what God is allowed to do in our lives. And you may say, well, I don't, I don't believe that. Read your Bible. The Bible says that Israel limited the Holy One. And in these days, we need to take the limits off. God is waiting. He's looking. He's searching for people that will take the limits off him, will completely commit to him, all in, as Ezekiel did. And, and the result was the bones were put back together, and, and life came back into them, and they stood up. And, and they stood up as a mighty army, an exceedingly great army. And that's what God was going to do for Israel, but it's also what God wants to do for the church, what God wants to do in your life and my life. But that life has to come into us, and we, we, we saw Ezekiel prophesying, and he prophesied to the breath, and that word breath indicates the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God came and brought life into the bones, the nation of Israel, and and. Joel is where we went to because we saw that was the point that had prophesied about what God was going to do with his spirit. And in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, we looked at this, but again, there's a couple of things that I overlooked, and again, in this week of studying and, and praying and, and just being before God, I felt like the Lord wanted me to go back, and so I'm going to be obedient. And it shall come to pass afterwards. That afterwards is an indication of something that will come in the future. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters, your young men, and your old men will do what they'll do. And then on my men's servant and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. There are two different, three different indications of where God's pouring his spirit. He's going to pour it on all flesh, saved and unsaved. He's going to pour it on, he says, your sons, your daughters, your old men, and your young men. Speaking of Israel, on Israel's sons and daughters, old men and young men. Talking about what's going to happen to Israel. But it hasn't happened the way God has said yet. And then he says, on my men's servant and maid service. And, and what I did not expound and, and share with you was the word servant. It's really, really insightful. The word servant, he's talking about my men's servant and maid servants. How many of you are Jewish here? Okay, just what I thought. So we don't qualify with your sons, your daughters, your old men, and your young men, because that was about Jewish people. But he says my servants, my men and women that are servants. And that word servant means a laborer, but it also means a worshiper. It also means a minister. And you may say, well, I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. You're a servant of God. That's what a minister is. It's a serv He's a servant. She's a servant. 
It also means a soldier. And it also means an ambassador. Anybody here remember what Jesus said about his ambassadors? Yeah, that we are those ambassadors that he's sending out into the world. And so he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on those that worship me, those that serve me and minister to me and minister others, those that are my soldiers and those that are my ambassadors. Now, hopefully you fall into one of those categories. You know, the Bible tells us if we don't worship God, the rocks and the stones are going to cry out. There is never a bad time to worship God. And there is never a good time not to worship God. Because when we get to heaven, if you aren't a, a worshiper of God, you're going to have a shock because we're be going to be praising and worshiping God. Massive amounts of time. And it's not a waste of time. It is not anything but the, one of the greatest things we can do. But Joel indicated this was what was going to happen. And we looked at Acts chapter 2 because that's where the afterward was. God poured out his spirit on all flesh and it began to happen with the Jewish people. And it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord in one place. Why were they there? Because Jesus told them to. They were obedient. That obedience was an indication of the fear of the Lord. There was a reverence, a respect, an awe, an honor, an obedience, a trust of God. So they were where they were supposed to be, even though it wasn't a comfortable thing to do, even though it wasn't a convenient thing to do, even though it caused some concern for them because they were concerned that the Jews that had just crucified Jesus were going to find them and kill them too. And yet they were still obedient because they revered God. Because they feared God and honored God. And, and that fear isn't a torment. The torment they had of fear of what the Jews were going to do is just the opposite of the fear of God. The torment of the Jews, the fear of the Jews, what they were going to do, brought great insecurity, great instability. But the fear of God, the reverence of God, brings great stability and security. And this is one of the reasons why we need to be people that truly fear, reverence, respect, honor God. And when I say reverence, and this was another thing that I became very aware of, we, we, we've talked a little bit about the definition, but when I say reverence, we don't really understand reverence or honor in our country. It's not a part of our society. It's not a part of our daily situations. And, and when I talk about reverence, the thing that I want you to know is that when we speak about reverence, reverence is a, and I was searching for words and asking God to help me understand, help me be able to understand and communicate what reverence is. And, and there was a word, two words that came, and the first word was preeminence. Or preeminent and adoration. Preeminent adoration. Now we know in Colossians chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus is supposed to have the preeminence in everything. The word preeminence means first. First in priority, first in value, and first in influence. So reverence is giving God the priority, 
the, the first priority, the greatest priority, the greatest value, and the greatest influence in our lives. And then adoration. That's not a word we use all the time, is it? Usually around Christmas time, right? We sing songs that talk about we, we come to adore you, we adore him. Remember that? It wasn't that long ago. But adoration, when, when we find out what adoration indicates and means, it means fully de devoted love and worship. So when we fear God, when we reverence God, we give him first priority, first value, first influence, and we are fully devoted to loving him and worshiping him. Don't you think that's going to be the, the, the experience we have in heaven? You think when we're in heaven, somebody walks in the door uh, while we're all worshiping God and everybody's going to turn and look at who came in? I doubt it. But it happens here. It happens in other places. We get distracted by people when God needs to be the focus. The moment we get distracted from God, we run the liability. There is a liability of us being robbed of what God has for us. Because the only place we can get what we need is from God. Now, he'll use different means to, to do that. But they were in one place at one accord because they reverence God. One place, one accord. They reverence God. They honor God. They gave God the priority. They let God's word influence them when Jesus had told them, I'm praying for you to be one. You need to love one another as I have loved you. See, these weren't just suggestions. Church, one of the dangers in our time now, it's always been a danger. Just what happened with Adam and Eve when God told them, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Any other tree you can eat at, but don't eat from that tree. And where did you find them? Right there at the tree. And they chose to make it a suggestion, not a command. When we choose to make God's word a suggestion, not a command, we don't honor God. That's why we don't honor God. We don't fear God. We don't reverence God. We don't hold God in high esteem. We don't give him the priority in our life. We are not fully devoted in our love and worship of him. All of a sudden, something else has come up, either us or something else, and we migrate off track. And that's why it is of utmost importance, and this is going to be part of the catalyst for revival, is the fear of God, the reverence of God. It is, it is the doorway to intimacy with God. And so they, they, they had feared God, they had reverenced God, they had honored God, they were in one place in one accord, and then it tells us that the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. They began to speak with other tongues. We had seven people last Sunday filled with the Spirit of God began to speak with other tongues. God's still doing it. Amen? And, and then Peter, the, the disciples, spilled out into the streets, and the people that were there to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost began to hear them all speak in their own tongue, but they were, what, they were praising God about his wonderful works. And then Peter began to describe to them and tell them who Jesus was and how they had crucified him, that God had made. 
Lord and Savior. And at that point, it says they were pricked, they were cut to their hearts. Because when we speak prophetically, when we speak the word of God, directed by God, guided by God, that word goes forth as the sword of the Spirit. And it pierces through all our defenses, all our rationale, all our excuses, all our religion. It goes right to the heart of what's important. And they cried out and said, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, you need to repent. You need to repent of your sins and be baptized. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, it says, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, to your children, and to all those far away, all who have ever been called by the Lord our God. And God began to move in powerful, powerful ways. Verse 41, it says, Therefore, those who accepted and welcomed his message were baptized, and there were added to them that day 3,000 souls. And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including what we did today, the Lord's Supper, and prayers, and look at this, in a sense of awe, reverential fear came upon every soul, and many wonders, signs were performed through the apostles. Now, did you notice that it was through the apostles? Did the apostles do it? No, God did it, but God used the apostles just like God used Ezekiel. I want you to know, you and I don't have the responsibility of making things happen. Aren't you glad? Because if it's up to you to do this miracle, none of us can. But if we're obedient, because we reverence, we fear the Lord, we honor the Lord, we respect the Lord, we're in awe of the Lord, and when he tells us to do something, whether it's make a phone call to somebody and share an encouragement, or go over and pray for somebody, or give somebody whatever we have in our pockets. Listen, obedience. Didn't we hear this morning already? It's not just obedience that causes us to experience the blessing of God. It's the willingness. It's the hard attitude. The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. Remember when God used Dennis to speak that to us today? God was setting us up. So all these things began to happen, and it says, and all who believed, who adhered to and trusted in, relied on Jesus, were united and together and had everything in common. So there was a, there was a fear, there was a unity, and, and then in, in verse 46, it goes on to say this. So continuing daily with one accord. So again, there, there's this fear of the Lord. There is this unity of God. There is this influx of people coming into the kingdom. And then that produces this accord because God's still having his way. Jesus prayed. One of the prominent prayers of Jesus that he was asking for himself and for all of us. Father, 
I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. He's praying for our oneness. And how much is the oneness really prevailing in the church? Not the way God, not the way the Lord, our Lord prayed for. And so there's an adjustment, but it's not on his part. There's an adjustment on my part. There's an adjustment on your part, on our part, where we revere God, where we fear God, where we honor God, where we esteem God and value God above what we think. Just because somebody isn't what we want them to be or doing what we want them to do, we still need to love them. Because if we don't love our enemies, if we don't love our neighbors, if we don't love our family members, if we don't love them, we're not loving God. Because Jesus said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And we're living in this, this realm of, well, that was a suggestion because I don't want to follow it with this person. The moment we take things as not from the one that we are totally devoted in loving and worshiping, giving him the first priority, the greatest value and the greatest influence in our life, we're no longer fearing God. And we're getting off track, no matter how good our actions seem to be to us. And that's why God is bringing back the fear of God to the body of Christ. Those are the people that God is going to move through in these days. Why? Because he told us. He's searching across all the earth for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And you know, that's, that's tough to hear because we know where our hearts are to a degree. We have divided hearts. We have divided allegiances. We have divided values. We've allowed things to creep into our life to become more valuable, a greater priority, and have a greater influence in our life than the Lord, than His Word. And it's robbing you. And in robbing you, it's robbing your families, your friends, and every person you and I come in contact with. It's robbing all of us. And who's behind that robbery? The enemy. And yet, we've allowed him. Because we've made the choices we've made. And you may say, well, you know, this is pretty hard to hear. I, I, I understand that. But what is more important to you? Hearing something that's difficult, uncomfortable because we know we have to make an adjustment, or honoring God and being totally devoted to God. Because Jesus had this happen. Jesus was speaking to a huge group of his followers. You know, the crowds kept growing. And he said to them something. And they determined because their lack of fear, their lack of reverence, their lack of awe, their lack of respect, that it was too hard. Now, nowhere in the Bible 
does it say that this Christian life is going to be easy? As a matter of fact, we are actually promised tribulation. He said, in this world, you're going to, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You know, there are three tribulations, the tribulation you and I experience in this life. The tribulation, and then the great tribulation. And so, we shouldn't be surprised, and even Jesus told us, don't be surprised when you come into these difficult times. But we are, are, are told that no matter how difficult they are, we can be of good cheer. We can have joy and peace because he's overcome the world. Whatever you're facing, he faced and he won. And that victory he'll offer to us if we'll choose to prioritize him above anything else. Our comfort, our convenience, all these other things that are pulling on us all the time. And so again, we see this fear of God. We see this unity. They continue daily in one accord from the temple, breaking of bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord did what? Added. Added to the church. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. That's where there are a lot of people that are so incredibly deceived these days that are saying, you know what, I don't need the church. I'm telling you right now, that is a deception that is playing right into the enemy's hands. I don't need the church. I can do this on my own, just me and Jesus. Never in the word of God does it tell us that it's just us and him. He's placed us in the body as it pleases him. But we're saying, oh no, I don't want to do what you want. I think I know better. That is a lack of the fear of the Lord, a reverence for God that gets us in trouble every time. And yet we have all sorts of reasons and rationales. Well, I got hurt in the church. Guess what? Everybody gets hurt in the church. That's, that's, that's not a revelation. Because everybody gets hurt by people. Now, we should not be hurting people as much as we used to hurt them. Not going to hear that in a lot of churches. But it's still true. Because hurting people hurt people, and we have all been hurt. And the only healer we can go to to get whole is God. And as we choose to move towards God and make God our priority, Get to know him, know his spirit, know his word, know his ways through the scriptures, through time spent with him, through time with brothers and sisters. That's why life care is so important. That's why journey is so important. To help us walk through this damage that we have received in this world, not from God, when we were apart from God, when we weren't pursuing God. And sometimes even when we are pursuing God, there's an injury that comes. But guess what? God's word tells us he is the healer of the brokenhearted. He's the one that makes us whole. In Psalm 23, the Bible tells us he's our good shepherd. He restores our soul. 
And if God does that in our lives, we can be used to do that in other people's lives as long as we continue to make God that priority. When God slips from that place of priority, then we can't be what God has for us to be and we can't do what God has for us to do. And we will not see what we're seeing in the book of Acts, even though you and I, we as believers are still writing the book of Acts. It's the acts of the apostles, but it's the acts of the church. And you are the church. And what you see going on in the book of Acts should be going on today and is going on today. The question is, what are you going to do? What adjustments are we going to make? Who are we going to make our priority? Who are we going to pursue and value and allow to influence our life? Who are we going to be devoted in our love and worship of? Because people, you know, I used to have a hard time with, with India because they had so many gods and it just, it was very appalling to me. And, and, and I didn't like it. But you know what? We as Americans have as many or more gods than India does. Theirs is overt. Ours are covert. We worship all sorts of things. You want to know what you worship? Look at what you spend your time on. Look at what you are passionate about. Look at what we invest, not only our time and our passion, but our finances. These are our gods. And we have, to, we have to be willing to see the truth to be able to get free. But there is, a, there is a, a pattern that we see set up in the book of Acts. It's in other places too, but it's very evident in the book of Acts that there was a fear, a fear of reverence, a preeminent adoration of God. It, it, it was a placing God first in priority, first in value, first in influence, and being absolutely fully devoted to loving him and worshiping him. And, and when that fear occurred, then there was a, a uniting that came together. And unity can't come apart from the fear of the Lord. And after unity came, because people feared God, unity came... And revival came. There was an influx of people into the kingdom. We all want revival, but we aren't aware of what is necessary. And the question is, will we be willing to pay and pray the price? Because we want revival. But do you know what happened at Asbury? It wasn't the first time it happened at Asbury University. It wasn't something that just occurred. People had been praying and praying and praying for it. Setting other things aside to make that a priority. So is Asbury a special place? It was because the people made it special. Because they made God special. That can happen anywhere. And God wants it to happen everywhere. But the question is, will we 
Will we be willing to prioritize God in our lives with all the other demands, all the other responsibilities that we have? Because I'm going to tell you something. If you ever watched any of the videos of that or any other revival, people that had jobs made a priority. They may have taken vacation to be there. Whatever it took, they were there. Are you and I willing to do whatever it takes? Are we willing to lay down? And I'm not saying frivolously, oh, this is, I can get out of work today. No, 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 no. You need to make God that priority. And if God directs you to step away, then you're being obedient to God. He'll take care of you. But make sure you're being obedient to God. God needs to be that important to us that we are willing to do whatever it is. We want to be there and God's saying, don't go. Are you willing to be obedient because you revere him? You let him influence you more than your desire influences you. We don't even, we aren't even aware of how many things influence us. Because there is no limit to the things that influence us. So this, this pattern of the fear of God, the reverence of God, the unity and revival is repeated over and over in the book of Acts. And it's continuing to be repeated in our world. And so we're going to look at a couple of places today in the book of Acts. And we're going to go and start in Acts chapter 5. Now, in Acts chapter 5... Time has taken place from Acts chapter 2. Um, in chapter 4, a great multitude of believers came to the Lord. They were of one heart and one soul, had all things common. Great grace was upon them. People were selling things and, and giving of what they had sold to the apostles to take care of the people that were still there in Jerusalem because of the Feast of Pentecost. These are people that went to Jerusalem to celebrate the, the Feast of Pentecost, hadn't expected to be there that long, and all of a sudden they've run out of food. Guess what they didn't have? A whole lot of restaurants. Guess what they didn't have? A whole lot of grocery stores. Guess what they didn't have? Little convenience stores you could run in and get some junk. They didn't have them. So they, they had used up all they had, and they still were willing to stay there because God was doing something. They prioritized what God wanted them to do over everything else. And God made a way and moved on other believers' hearts to sell things, pieces of land, things they owned, and then take the money to the apostles and say, okay, whoever has need, make sure you meet that need. And they did. And there was something that happened during that time because, you know, we, we sometimes, we see things going on and we, we, we want to we wanna be noticed too. And so there was a, a, a man, actually it was Barnabas, the son of encouragement, who sold a piece of land, brought it to the apostles, and probably what happened was it was a very big donation. And people were like, whoa. I want to tell you about donations here. I don't have any idea who gives what. 
many years ago, I, I, I told the staff, I said, I do not want to know what anybody gives because I don't want to be influenced by that. Not that I w would, but you know what? There's always that temptation. And the only time I know what anybody gives, if it's somebody calls the office and says, I'm having real financial trouble, I want to come in and talk to you, I will tell you this, if you ask for help financially, I'm going to look at your giving record. Because if you don't start with giving to God, nothing else is going to line up. Okay, so let's, I've been, been sidetracked with that, sorry. <laughs> but, but Barnabas gave this big amount. And then this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, saw what happened with Barnabas, and they sold a piece of land, and they chose to deceive and misrepresent what they were doing. And so they brought this sum of money to the apostles, but they lied. They made it seem like we gave everything that we got from the land, but they didn't. And the result of that was they died. And Ananias went in first, and, and the apostle said, why have you chosen to lie to the Holy Spirit? Boom, he dies. His wife comes in a little bit later, doesn't know what happened to him, asks, is asked why, boom, she dies. Now, I will tell you something. I used to believe that before the, the revivals that we're expecting, that there would have to be a fear of God that returns to the church. And I truly believe that's true. And I don't know if people are going to drop dead for lying to the Holy Spirit or not. But sin can't stand in the presence of God. And it wasn't God that killed them. It was their sin. Sin kills. God doesn't. And at that moment, we, we pick this up, verse 11, and it says this, By this time, the whole church, and in fact, everyone who heard these things, had a healthy respect, right? Had a healthy respect for God and knew God was not one to be trifled with. I'm telling you that there needs to be a healthy respect of God. We need to realize that we're not just talking to some bub, Hey, bub, he is God. We have majored. In the last number of years, we have majored on the love of God, and we have become so focused on the love of God that we have lost the reverence for God, the awe of God. He's my buddy. Yeah, but do you know that God is holy, and I'm not? I'm telling you, when we have this preeminent adoration for God, we're very aware of who he is and how amazing, how merciful, how gracious God is to allow us to even approach him. I, again, I understand that this is not a perspective we hear a lot about. But I believe we're going to be hearing more and more about it. I was just informed recently in the last couple of weeks that John Bevere has a book coming out. We've ordered some. 
the awe of, of God. It's about the fear of the Lord. I have to tell you, I was so thrilled to hear that because I don't want to teach heresy and I'm not hearing a whole lot of other people. When I started to study about this, I'm not hearing a whole lot of people talking about this, but I'm hearing more and more and it's like, thank you, Lord. I know it's in your word and I know it's true and I just don't want to be run out of town because it's, it's not anything our flesh wants to hear. Because we've become comfortable. Christianity has become convenient and cultural. And we need the fear of the Lord to return to the church because of what it does. They heard. They heard what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. This, this reverence, respect for God began to happen. And then in verse 12 through 14, it says this. And, though the hand, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. That, you know, when we fear God, there is a reverence that is given to us because, especially when God shows up. Right now, you know, we've gone through cycles as Christians. Christianity is, is acceptable. Christianity is not acceptable. Christianity is, is the hot thing, you know. Tell everybody you're a Christian, although you don't follow Christ. You don't adhere to what he says. You don't even know what he says. And then, then it falls out of favor again. And it's cyclic. And, and we as Christians shouldn't be cyclic in our devotion to God. Whether it's popular or unpopular. Many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. But the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added. To the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Multitudes. Remember the 3,000? Multitudes. This end time harvest that the Bible talks about before the return of the Lord, multitudes are going to come to him, but they will not come to him until two things happen in the church, in our lives. One, we get a true fear, a reverence, an awe, a respect, an honor of God, a preeminent adoration of God, where we come to that place of absolutely trusting God completely and obeying God completely, no matter what. And that is followed by unity. And the fear of the Lord and the unity of the body produces revival as other people get exposed to it. Just like here. Just like earlier in the book of Acts. Just like what is going on in places. I, I, I'm becoming aware that there are street meetings occurring all over our country. Have you heard about this? Chicago, Los Angeles, 
all over the country, there are people that, that are going out to the streets and preaching and having meetings, and people are getting saved. I mean saved. There's revival occurring because somebody chose to say, God, I am here, I am yours, whatever you want me to do. And all of a sudden, they're obedient to God. Their obedience is better than sacrifice. It impacts other people. And other believers are coming, and other people are wanting. You know how when a crowd gathers, people want to know what's going on? We used to bust on people as kids. It was stupid, but we did. We would go out, and a couple of my friends and I would go out, and we would look up. You wouldn't believe how many people would come along and say, they wouldn't say anything. They'd just look, trying to find out what we're looking at. Finally, sometimes they'd say, what are you looking at? Nothing. And we'd walk off. But people want to be a part. There's the FOMO, fear of missing out. Listen, we don't, we don't need to fear missing out anything from the world. But if we don't align with God, we will miss out because the enemy will be able to steal because we let him. And so multitudes. We're going to look at this next week and see some other places where this happened and why it happened. And then we're going to get into, really get into, why does the fear of the Lord precede unity? Because as much as we want to be united and, and fulfill the, the prayer of Jesus, it won't happen until you and I individually, until we first, in our own life, in our own hearts, in our own minds, choose to reverence God, honor God, be in awe of God, esteem God. And I hope I hope you don't miss any of this because this is, these are some of the most important things I think I have ever come to learn and preach in my life. But it may just be me. Like every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm looking around and I pretty much recognize every face here. And I believe that each one of you has come to that place of surrendering your life to the Lord. And that's the beginning. The beginning is recognizing who Jesus is. He is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who came into the world and died for us. And you have repented. You've turned around. You've turned over your life to Jesus. And that is not an end in, in every case. It's an end of the power of sin ruling our life. But it's the beginning of us learning how, how to allow God to rule our life, to really govern us and, and guide us and guard us. But that is only going to happen when we come to that place where we really do revere God. We really do honor God. We really do esteem God higher than anyone or anything else, and we're in awe of God. So that we come to that place of trust and security and obedience to God. Because when God is able to have his way, then his ways are fulfilled in our lives. That's the 
life and life more abundantly. And I'm just going to ask, if you have never given your life to the Lord, if that's you, I want to pray with you today. But I want to know who I'm praying with. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, that's me. Then we here together are God's family. But as a family, it's time. It's time for us to really dig in and say, God, I don't want what I want anymore. I don't want what everybody else tells me what I need. I want you. I want you above and before anything or anyone. I want to learn and I want to walk in the fear of you. <laughs> you said we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Father, help us to live that out in these days where we grow. We grow in our awe and our commitment and our love and our dependence and our obedience to you like never before. Father, I pray right now for myself and for every one of us that, Father, you, by your Spirit, would seal this to our heart, that you would inflame a desire in us for you more intense, more complete than ever before. Father, your word says if we delight ourselves in you, you will give us, you'll put in us the desires of our heart. We want to delight in you even more. We want your desires to be absolutely dominant in our lives because we need it. You know we need it. You want it for us because of what it'll do in our lives. The amount of life that'll begin to flow to us and through us will be ever increasing, and that's what you've said, taking us from glory to glory. Father, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to dream about it. We want to live it. And so we thank you for guiding us by your spirit and your word to walk in the fullness of what you have said and what you've prepared. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? I would really encourage you to go and look, look at, research the revivals that have occurred. If you look far enough and deep enough, you're going to find somebody who came to that place of just absolute commitment and devotion to God that was willing to be that catalyst that began to bring unity and other people began to move towards the Lord like never before. I want to pray for you before you leave. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this week ahead of us. You know what's ahead. You've gone ahead and prepared the way. Thank you, Father, for your presence that lives in each one of us. That as you are with us, we choose to prioritize to value 
your influence on us above all else to become absolutely fully devoted in our love to you and our worship of you that nothing else could get in the way. That, Father, we would know you, we would show you to all, all the people around. We thank you, Father, for all that you've done that is so amazing, all that you're doing, all that you will do. We give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said...